Hello and good evening, everyone. Only positivity here. No coffee today. Been trying to stay off coffee and caffeine after 12 p.m. Um, I don't even sparkling bitch to my name either, though. You know, I'm coming off this uh, great trip from Oregon with the boys, and um, I'm just plumb out of groceries. Groceries, but in any case, um, ready to kick off podcast number 65 on this playlist that I'm looking to launch called Elevated Thoughts. Now, before diving into the book and everything like that for today. Let's go ahead and start with the level set. So, you know, as I endeavor upon pursuing knowledge and life experience in this next phase of life um, through fitness, photography, traveling, uh, many more things, one habit that I've really formed is reading. So this podcast essentially goes through some of the books I've been reading as of late, taking those lessons learned and applying them to experiences in my life. So, you know, before diving into um, the book for today, let's go and start with with a story, right? So a couple weeks back, I'm playing I'm playing basketball, right? The weather's good outside. We picked back up, me and my boys, we picked back up playing ball. So we go over to this park now, right? And we started playing, we start, started running games with people again. Um, for a long time, up until recently throughout the pandemic, we weren't running any games with people. But now it's out, man, and I love playing games with people. It's really fun um, out on the court. Uh, just, you know, gets that competitive spirit going. And, you know, everyone's relatively friendly at the park we go to. So it's all friendly competition. So in any case, um, you know, uh, me and my buddy are playing 32, we're playing 21, uh, we're playing each other, and we see there's a couple games going on. We asked to get in, but um, they had just the right amount of people, so they're like, whatever. And there's this kid over there on the other side, he's probably like 19, 20. Um, he's, he's playing well, right? And he's like dribbling up, he's crossing people up, doing his thing. But they're kind of playing like fuckboy basketball, right? No one's playing defense. So he comes over, and their game's done, and he comes over, um, and he's trying to play with us, right? And I'm like, dude, hop in, man. We'll, we're definitely open to playing with anyone. So um, he comes over and, you know, right. We're, I mean, I'm older than him for sure. And like, you know, we, we play basketball with each other, right? Me and my buddy, we D up on each other. We don't go too crazy, but, you know, no easy buckets. We're just going to go in, we're going to play hard and we're going to get our workouts in, right? So in any case, this dude starts playing. He's got the ugliest fucking shot in the whole world. Can't shoot. And he can't dribble us down because, you know, we're, we're D'ing up on him. So right away, his game is kind of ineffective, even though he's he's pretty good, you know. So, you know, all the while we're playing, he's he leaves the game that we're playing. He comes back later when he wants to. You know what I mean? It's all good, whatever. So, um, you know, after a while, like, we figured out that he couldn't shoot, right? He had this ugly fucking Sean Marion brick shot that he would throw up. And we would just back off him when he was shooting because, like, dude, shoot it. You know, honestly, work on your shot if you want. But also, like, I know you're not going to make it either. So after, like, five or six of repeated missed, like, threes, my buddy's d up on him. And he's like, the guy's like, you ever heard of boo-boo cheeks? And I'm, and I'm getting water at this. I'm like, what? Did this dude just say boo-boo cheeks? And my buddy's like, what's boo-boo cheeks? And he goes, you know what, man? That's what I am today. I keep missing all my shots, dude. I'm fucking boo-boo cheeks. And we're like, that's what you call yourself? Boo-boo cheeks? And for the rest of the, for the rest of the time, dude, I was calling my buddy boo-boo cheeks, you know? Um, I Even to this day, I'm calling him boo-boo cheeks. It's just kind of the perfect nickname um, for, for my boy, right? And he's a, he's a, he's a born boo-boo cheeks. So, you know, boo-boo cheeks, if you're listening to me, what's up, motherfucker? <laughs> um, so anyway, that's the story for today. Um, and, uh, we'll go ahead and jump into, um, part five of Roberto Bolaño's, uh, 2666. Now we're on the last part of it. So, you know, forever who's been listening, I'm sure you're caught up with the level set here, but a very descriptive novel, right? Um, 
Bolaño takes his time with setting up a scene. He can spend pages and pages just setting up a scene, and you feel like you're there, right? It's very euphoric. You feel like even though you're reading a book, you're watching a movie or you're in that scene. And for that reason, I would recommend that anyone read this book, right? Anyone should pick it up. They'll, it'll broaden your vocabulary for sure, and it'll test your mind, right? It'll test your endurance, you know, an, an almost thousand page book, and it took me like five or almost, I want to say like four to five months to finish it, maybe three, I don't know, but it was definitely a long read. So in any case, we're going to go through part five. So what I'm doing is I'm highlighting about 10 quotes from each part of the book, and I'm going to just walk through them. I don't want to give anything away, but I'm just going to walk you through what that scene did to me personally, or that quote. So, um, part five is called the part about Archimboldi. So I'm going to read through our first quote, and then we'll dive. We'll dive into it. <clears throat> he believed in the intrinsic goodness of humankind. He claimed that a person who was pure of heart could walk from Moscow to Madrid without being accosted by anyone. He believed in the intrinsic goodness of humankind. He claimed that a person who was pure of heart could walk from Moscow to Madrid without being accosted by anyone. Now, an interesting statement, right? A, 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 a testament to how some people have faith in, in humanity, right? But let's go a little bit deeper, right? What kind of person would believe something like this? That if you were a good person or a pure heart, you could walk miles, you could walk the earth and you would never get wronged, right? Is it someone who truly believes in the human goodness or goodness of nature and things like that and the outcomes it can bring? Or is it someone who is delusional and hasn't experienced too many like negative experiences, right? It could be a combination of both, right? I know a lot of people, I, you know, no matter what the scenario is, they're going to smile, right? They might ignore it at first, but they're going to come out with a smile until they, they feel that smile, right? Um... I, I, I can believe that, you know, I can believe the quote, right? Um, I can believe things like this to an extent, right? You want to be so kind and unexpectational from life that people can't really, can't give you the negativity that they want to, right? You can't afford negativity, so you don't encounter it too deeply, right? Um, there's, there's oftentimes, like, I'm trying to think about an example right now where, you know, me and my fiance or me and, like, a good friend of mine might interact with the same person, right? Um, um, a shitty person, someone who's like very abrasive and, you know, combative and things like that. And we might handle the situation differently, right? Um, I personally would have a, have a level of sympathy for someone coming at me really aggressively because, you know, I, I don't generally do things to piss people off. I try not to. And if you're pissed for no reason, I feel, I feel bad for you because anger is such a bad emotion. You know, it, it ruins things. Um, it can ruin, you know, physically ruin things, but also emotionally, mentally ruin things as well. You know, I personally, I personally have faith in humanity, right? Um, people do nice things for me all the time, and I do nice things for people all the time. Um, if someone was lost in the area that I live in, I would try to help them find their way, right? So you would hope that, you know, people have that 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 level of, of affection for other human beings, even if they haven't met them, right? Be concerned about their well-being. Um, and if they're not concerned about yours, so what, right? You want to be concerned for overall humanity. Um, but I'm going to hop off my soapbox, hop off that quote. We'll jump to our next one. A long stay in a military hospital drove people to become Satanists. A long stay in a military hospital drove people 
to become Satanists. So, um, you know, why why would a long stay in a hospital lead someone to worship Satan? Right? I think there's a question that comes out of here. Now, obviously, it's probably an exa- exaggeration, but I could I could see how staying in a military hospital, you know, before modern medicine would be terrible, would be horrific, right? And that's where this place, uh, this book takes place, right? In the 1930s, 1920s, around there. Um, the hygiene was just was just terrible, right? They they didn't clean tools appropriately. Um, they didn't really know um, the proper, like let's say even hand hygiene that you need to have between amongst dealing patients, right? Sterilization, things of that sort. Who knows? Who knows? Um, like what what uh, physical, mental effects could be happening to an injured person, right? In a military hospital, I'm assuming someone's coming in there with a pretty detrimental condition, right? Maybe, you know, got hit by a, a landmine or got shot, something like that. And they're dealing with a, a physician who doesn't really know what they're doing. And um, they're doing patch-up jobs and they're not being cleanly and things like that. It can, And the chaos of it all can probably drive someone mad. Um, like World War One combat was still still very manual at times, right? It was very close combat, hand-to-hand, a lot of blood, a lot of gore. Um, imagine you have to deal with with that number of soldiers getting injured, you know, those gruesome injuries, trench foot, um, with not advanced medicine, you know, it can drive anyone to, um, to go mad, I would say. So we hop off that quote, <clears throat> we come to our next one. A father is a passageway immersed in the deepest darkness where we stumble blindly, seeking a way out. A father is a passageway immersed in the deepest darkness where we stumble blindly, seeking a way out. Now, now this is just my opinion of the situation, right? But it seems like it seems like the older generation of fathers, right? So, you know, I'm I'm 29 or whatever. So, my the generation above me, like the parents above me, had had very tough burdens when coming to America or just in general, right? The world was different. Um, and they were responsible for carrying on the legacy of the family, which is an incredible burden, right? And there was a very, very um, minimal prevalence of like emotional intelligence from my observations, right? I don't have any stats to back that up. But from my observation, the men, the Indian immigrant men that I've interacted with have very low emotional intelligence. They get triggered really fast. They, all don't, they don't have the tact um, to navigate a difficult situation. They just, you know, boom, blow up. And that's how they handle things because that can be easier. They don't know how to navigate. Now, a lot of times they're the breadwinner as well, right? This this could drive anyone to have dependencies on things like drugs or alcohol or take their anger out and their frustrations out in a in a unhealthy manner, right? Um, they don't have a lot of the, a lot of the immigrant men that I've come in contact with don't have the tools to pre- to prep themselves or to address their trauma, right? And this can lead them to have anger, depression, or some kind of like severe behavioral issues. You know, my own father has his own set of trials and tribulations, right? Um, As an immigrant from Africa who came to this country with with nothing. And it definitely had an effect on our childhood, right? And only recently was he able to reflect and work through that trauma after he retired, right? And, you know, the hustle and bustle of life, um, you know, coming to a new country where you don't have, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. 
I would, I'll never know what that feels like, right? And that, and that is a deep, dark passageway, um, like the one Bolaño is outlining right now. Let's go to our next quote. <clears throat> Healthy people flee contact with the diseased. This rule applies to almost anyone. Healthy people flee contact with the diseased. This rule applies to almost everyone. So, you know, at a surface level, this is somewhat true, right? I don't personally think healthy people flee from the diseased. They just live different lived, lives. Sorry, You know, healthy people, they might be out. They might be in nature. They might be working out. Uh, if I already said that, they might be doing their thing, right? They might be up and at them. You know, those who have terminal illnesses or, you know, just um, are, are, have, have uh, disabilities and things like that, they, they're doing things differently, right? I had once had a buddy that I worked with who was in a wheelchair. He had muscular dystrophy, um, and he was a great guy. He, he in, in 2017, he was all good. He was playing ball. He was doing all that stuff, and out of nowhere, he got this this muscular dystrophy, and, you know, we it was hard for us to hang out, right? Because it was always, you know, he had to get, he had to hire a pace bus to come drive him to and from work, you know? Um, he just couldn't drive around. He couldn't get around and things like that. We still keep in contact very briefly, but, you know, it's hard to, to get in touch with him or to meet up. He's got a family of his own and things like that. It's just tough to get around. So, you know, I wouldn't say that I fleed or fled um, away from him. It was just, you know, it was just kind of tough to connect, obviously, with the pandemic and everything like that. It's just, it's just really different. Um, but, you know, what I want to say is, like, we go deeper than just the service level, Right. If we look deeper, like I could use an example of someone who's like toxic, right? So in this scenario, we can alternate the word diseased for toxic, right? So um, it someone who, who has like a cynical view on life, right? I, I would personally flee this person if I didn't really care about them, right? I wouldn't want to be around them because it, it would ultimately impact my mental status over time. And it works your way, in, it works your way into the into the brain, right? Just like a you know, like a tumor, like a like like poison, you know. Um, over time, it it rots the brain when you have toxicity in your life. So we'll hop off that quote. We'll go to our next one. The words of the diseased, even those who can manage only a murmur, carry more weight than those of the healthy. Then too, all healthy people will in the future know disease. The words of the diseased, even those who can manage only a murmur, carry more weight than those of the healthy. Then too, all healthy people will in the future know disease. Now, here I'm going to equate this quote to someone whose life is slowly coming to an end due to like a chronic condition, right? They start to to have maybe a cynical view on life, maybe um, they're bitter, they can start to reflect and, you know, maybe have more lust for life because they realize their time is like finite, right? And it's running out. Um, this this can be a realization too for a person who is not in that situation, right? A healthy person can begin to understand the joy that life can bring when they stop and, you know, smell the, the roses for a little bit, you know, enjoy those little beauties that life has to offer, right? A few years ago, not a few years ago, in like 2013, 2012, um, my, my dad got a quadruple bypass, right? And um, that shook me hard. We were always relatively healthy, but we realized we had a lot more opportunity, right, to be healthier. 
And that was a wake-up call for our entire family, especially for my dad, right? He changed his lifestyle, picked up uh, meditation, started eating extremely cleanly. And, you know, it gave, it gave all of us this newfound lust for life, right? With, with fitness as a foundational piece. So <clears throat> we'll hop off that um, the f and then go to our next quote. The fourth dimension was expressible only through music. The fourth dimension was expressible only through music. Now, you know, as a quick side topic, you know, as I've gotten older, quote unquote, um, I've changed the role that religion plays in my life, right? I don't know if I would consider myself religious at this point anymore. Probably not, right? But one thing that I do know is, you know, as I was growing up, you know, I, I, as I was growing up Hindu, right, we would go to a lot of like these... Um, these prayers that like involved fire and these pujas that um had like this you know um this this yogi looking guy in like all orange long beard and he's like you know um uh pretty much um he's just like throwing uh like like ghee or like something on a fire to make it flame up chanting over and over again trying to get you in this like spiritual trance like state now the only thing i know is that music is the closest thing to that, right? That would make me experience that. I could never experience the, the feeling and like the spirit that the other people around me were experiencing. But I do feel it when I listen to to music, right? Um, when you when you listen to like a, a hymn or, you know, like a, an arthi at work, uh, no, sorry, at work, at church or at the Monday or whatever it might be, you can see that there's people in the audience who are like swaying, they're feeling it, they're clapping their hands, right? I've never felt that. But I go to another realm when I listen to music, right? It's spiritual. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's happening to me. But there's there's something about this phenomenon that changes me. I learn things. I understand things differently through music. I have a new perspective through music. And it doesn't have to be something I can articulate. It's just something that, that changes me, right? It puts me in a zone. So we'll hop off that quote. Um, but that's a really important one. And we'll jump to the next quote. He reminded the guests that murderers and heroes resembled each other in their solitariness and, at least initially, in the public's lack of understanding of their actions. He reminded the guests that murderers and heroes resembled each other in their solitariness and, at least initially, in the public's lack of understanding of their actions. Now, <clears throat> right now, I am obviously thinking about the Joker and Batman. Right now, this is a very Batman-esque quote. But let's break it down, right? They both live very solitary lives. You know, the Joker, no one knows where he's at. No one knows where he's sleeping. Um, Batman is obviously Bruce Wayne. He plays his own character, right? Can't hold, can't hold a girl down. Um, can't hold really any long-term relationship down, except for the one with Alfred, right? Who is his butler, <laughs> Um, the public also doesn't fully understand either of them, right? Obviously, the Joker is putting fear in the people of Gotham City, but people don't really understand uh, Batman either, right? They like him when he's saving their lives and stuff like that, but they hate him immediately when he becomes kind of a villain, right? Or when he has to play the villain. And, you know, this lack of understanding leads to anxiety and chaos it leads to people being finicky, right? Going on either side of the fence. I'm sure, I'm sure the president of the United States, you know, is in a similar state, right? This solitariness. 
you know, always talking to people, but never with true company. And in my opinion, you know, one, one bad move and everyone starts disliking you. And it's tough, right, when you're under the spotlight like that. But, you know, in any case, um, we'll hop off that quote and we will jump to our next one. Did Jesus Christ, he asked, suspect that someday his church would spread to the farthest corners of the earth? Did Jesus Christ, he asked, ever have what we today call an idea of the world? Did Jesus Christ, who apparently knew everything, know that the world was round and to the east lived the Chinese? Did Jesus Christ, he asked, suspect that someday his church would spread to the farthest corners of the earth? Did Jesus Christ, he asked, ever have what we today call an idea of the world? Did Jesus Christ, who apparently knew everything, know that the world was round and to the east lived the Chinese? Now this is a great question to me. Now let's 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 list out some you know prophets right Jesus Christ Krishna Buddha Zoroaster Muhammad, um, any of these guys. Let's say they were real. What what do they know about the world? What do they know about the future? Right? We know that you know Jesus Krishna uh, Muhammad at least they showed up during times of trial right during times of extreme. Um, uh, poverty, um, oppression for their people. Um, but was it in, was it their intent to set up an infra infrastructure such as religion? Now, I, you know, from what I've read about um, Jesus Christ and you know the Bible and you know Christianity, Catholicism, no, right? The answer is no. Jesus never explicitly said to set up a church, right? Um, Krishna definitely didn't. He didn't say to set up like various edifices uh, to carry on things like that. Um, was it, you know, was it their intent to set up this? Were they, or were they just like extraordinarily good men who fought against oppression um, and brought about new thoughts and new methods to live life? Were they just innovative? Now, Muhammad was one who did set up infrastructure, right? He he promoted like learning and you know scripture and things of that sort. So that's a different story. But I don't hear it from any of the other names that I mentioned, right? Jesus or Krishna. Um, they they didn't they weren't trying to set up like this uh, this this institution. So anyway, that's just my thought on that. We'll hop off that quote. Because human beings tend to leave their fate in the hands of others. Because human beings tend to leave their fate in the hands of others. Now, this is this is a huge recurring theme of a lot of the self-help books I read, right? Um, 12 Rules of Life, Jordan Peterson, like The Alchemist, The Power of Now, um, Four Agreements, things of that sort. You know, a lot of the examples that are used is that, you know, people love when there's a force outside of their control that, like, determines their outcomes, even though they might not say it, right? Because it removes their accountability. Like you ever talk to someone who gives you all the excuses in the world as to why they shouldn't do something, right? Oh, this might happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. Fine, all good. But then what's happening is that you're leaving your fate in the hands of a, a third party, right? And you're going you're gonna to be the victim. You're going to say that, oh, this happened to me. I had no control over it. It just happened to me. Not the case, right? We all know that we have decent control over our outcomes and things of that sort, but we like to we like to just give that responsibility to someone else because it might be too much for me. Now I'm gonna be bogus for a second. 
So I work in the pharmaceutical industry, right? And some of the members that, you know, we talk to, like, you know, patients or the, you know, people picking up their medication, they, they hate hearing about how they need to change their lives to better manage their diabetes, for example, right? They hate it. They are looking for another medication that will resolve their issues because they don't want to eat, stop eating their McDonald's every day or drinking that soda every morning, right? Now, you're going to tell me, like, what's going to happen is that member is going to blame their their heart blockage on a pharmacist, right? Oh, they didn't tell me. Oh, they didn't give me the right medication. No, you didn't work out every day or you didn't get at least 30 minutes in. You didn't get your steps in. You've been eating like shit your whole life. So like, you know, there's that there's that skewed um, perception when you're when when you're okay with leaving your the fate of your yourself and your outcomes in someone else's or something else's hands. <clears throat> We'll hop off that quote and we'll jump to our next quote. Good Christians masturbate, but we don't commit suicide. Good Christians masturbate, but we don't commit suicide. Now, this is obviously a, a line of hypocrisy in religion, right? I'm not going to put it to just Christianity, even they're mentioning it. It's just a kind of a, the, a, a hypocritical notion in almost any religion that happens, I think. So I'll use a story, right? So I had a friend that used to go to my Sunday school. And as we got older, people started falling off because it started becoming more cultish, right? When we were younger, there used to be youth camps and, you know, um, we could all go together to like, you know, a university somewhere in the United States and all the youth would be together. It'd just be really fun. You would meet people from across the country. After a little while, they stopped They stopped all that, right? They, they made it way more cultish. Um, there was a lot of ego struggles involved. People started dropping off, right? So then I, I met this kid up um, like many years later at, 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 at college, right? And one day we're chilling, we're just kicking it. And he's like, do you still go to, you know, Sunday school? And, you know, in college, I, I did a little bit still, right? I was obviously at school, so I couldn't. But sometimes when I go home, I'd go. So I'd be like, yeah, you know, I go. Um, and then he goes, um, do you masturbate? And I go, uh, you know, sometimes, why are you asking me that, dude? And he goes, see, you're a hypocrite. And I go, mm okay, I get you're kind of like, you're a little turnt right now, bro. Like you're a little like lit up, but I get that, right? Um, you know, I think there there is blatant hypocrisy in, in all religions, but um, a lot of people can see past that, right? And take lessons out. I, you know, like I said, don't consider myself religious anymore, but not only because of the hypocrisy, right? It just, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, now, I'm not sure what this quote is attempting to convey, but it does touch on the on, on religious paradoxes, right? Um, so aside from you know masturbation and suicide, there's there's many things that religion will teach you. I think a lot of principles such as you know don't let your ego get in the way, don't be prideful, um, you know don't lie, cheat, steal, things of that sort, right? But these the people who are the leaders in these institutions, their egos are running wild, right? Um, they're they're swindling. They're doing these uh, underhanded things to keep their like quote unquote like power, um, and I've seen it firsthand. So um, although although it is sad, but that paradox does exist in a lot of religious institutions across religions, right? Not just not just in Hinduism, not just in Christianity, a bunch. So you know what that that kind of brings us to the end of uh, part five of Roberto Bolanos two six six six, and we are done with the book. So. 
I, I, I hope somebody out there reads it, right? And feel free to, you know, contact me. I'd love to jump on a podcast and talk about this book further. You know, I do these things by myself because um, nobody I know has read that, that big-ass book. So in any case, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Feel free to leave me any comments, any feedback. And remember, only positivity. Thanks, guys.